Happy New Year to you all. I have the honor of bringing God's word this morning. My name is Samuel Mock. I'm the director of discipleship and evangelism here at College Hill Presbyterian Church. But before we start, I have to make a confession to you. Just less than a mile down the street from here this week, I was at PNC. I went to the ATM to get some cash out. And when I went into to get that money, the, there was a man at the ATM. He turns around and says, hey, brother, can you help me? I said, no, I can't. I didn't even listen to his need for help. I just said, no. I stood there and realized what had happened, that I was responding out of an insecurity of mine. See, I have an insecurity about money that that sources itself back to my childhood. See, I was raised by a single mother, and because I was raised by a single mother, we didn't have everything my friends and my, my other friends had. So, like, they had allowances. I cut people's grass for money. Their allowances would be spent going to the movies, buying new video games. My grass money would be spent on deodorant, getting my hair cut. And so it developed this insecurity in my life. And so I said, no, I can't help you, before even hearing what he needed from me. Now, thank God, the Holy Spirit convicted me before either of us left that place. And I apologized to the man. I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't even hear you out. Can I help you? And he would tell me that he had just got out of the penitentiary. He's trying to get his life together. And he didn't know how to work at ATM. He needed to get his money out. Something so simple. I was scared that he was going to ask me for money. And because I felt like I didn't have enough, I immediately responded no before hearing him out. I thank God that he convicted me so that I could end up having a beneficial conversation with that man. But the reason I tell you this is because I want us to be open and honest with one another as we go through this series. Today we're going to be talking about our insecurities. And what I need you to know about insecurities is they are emotional wounds that have not healed. And although they have not healed, God desires to heal them. But we must let him. This series is going to focus on our emotions. There's going to be hard conversations had in this series. We're going to talk about emotional wounds, insecurities, trauma, loss, the whole nine. We're going to do this together. And we're going to do it as we partner with Living Hope, our counseling services just next door. It's a Christian counseling service. A lot of people say, I don't go to counseling. It's expensive. I just told you I have an insecurity about money. And I've been there. They work with your budget. They work on a sliding scale. And the services are incredible. God desires to heal you. And if counseling is something you need, please take advantage of those services. This series is called A Better Me. It's inspired by a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. The author of the book says, you cannot be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. 
Because just like me, in that moment with the man at the ATM, my emotional immaturity led me to spiritual sin. I failed to love my neighbor as myself, which is what Jesus says is the second greatest commandment. So, our goal through this series is to help you as I myself, as Drew himself, learns to take our emotions to God and to allow God to lead us, even through our emotions, as we grow more Christ-like. Let's grow emotionally mature together. Allow me to pray for you, and then we'll dive into our text for today. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I ask that in this moment, you would remove anything that would keep people from hearing your words, even myself. Father, help us to hear you. Help us to be open to you, knowing that you first loved us. And there's no part of our lives that you don't want to touch. We pray these things in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I need to give us context for our passage today. We're going to be looking at the life of a man named Saul. He's Israel's first king. Before this, Israel had been ran by 12 tribes, and those those tribes each had leaders. But now, Saul is king. In this passage, we'll see Saul's insecurities exposed. We'll see how those insecurities lead him to sin, as it led me to sin. And we'll learn from Saul's mistakes, that we can grow together. Our text picks up after God tells Saul, destroy the Amalekites and everything that belongs to them. What you need to know about this is that the war that Saul is about to wage is a judgment from the Lord. And so God tells him, destroy everything, leave nothing. 1 Samuel 15, 7 to 24 is our text. It says, then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way down to Havel, to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, the king of Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the armies spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the cattle, the fattened calves, and the lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I've made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was very, Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul and he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned And gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul said, The soldiers. 
Soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, Go and completely destroy the wicked people, the Malachites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did. I obeyed the Lord, said Saul. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers, they took the sheep and the cattle with the, from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifices, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of my men, so I gave in to them. We see here, Saul is called to lead his people, yet he finds himself being led by his insecurities. For a moment, imagine the pressure Saul is under. He's the very first king of Israel. Could you imagine the imposter syndrome? I don't know how to be king. I've never done this before. I didn't have anyone train me. There was no training day. I just was king one day. Could you imagine I can't imagine the pressure he was under, but I understand his temptation. At times, I'm tempted to do what is easy as well, to preach what is palatable, to pursue what is safe instead of what will bring deeper discipleship, to avoid rocking the boat and fit into people's expectations. I understand, Saul, and I'm sure you do too. We have all disobeyed God by following his commands halfway. Well, God, he tells me to love my neighbor, but, you know, at least I'm nice. I didn't cuss nobody out at work today. That's a start. Sure, I could have had a meaningful conversation with the guy next door, but I don't even know if we have anything in common. I think I'll just wave as I pass by. I might not work to the glory of God, but Karen, she called in three times this week, and I know she on vacation with her husband. I've seen her on Facebook. At least I showed up. We reason away the reasons for our half-obedience. It's easy to convince ourselves that partial obedience is obedience, but it isn't. It's disobedience. It's just a lie. And Saul crumbles to the peer pressure because his insecurities can't take it just like our insecurities can't take it. We want to share our faith, but we don't want to upset anybody. And so we just don't. We avoid bringing up Jesus in conversations. 
We want to be liked by others. And so we shrug off God's commands in hopes of being people's friends. We are like Saul, called to lead people for God. Yet we prioritize people's approval over God's. Our insecurities lead us away from God and his purposes for our lives. Saul's men have seen other kings rule nations. They've been taken over a few times, and they say, this is how all the leaders do it. They let their armies take the plunder. Come on, Saul. This is how we're supposed to be paid. Just let us take a little bit. If it makes you feel better, you can sacrifice the rest of the Lord. And Saul allows it. He allows them to keep only the very best of the Malachites' property. And God laments Saul's disobedience and sends Samuel, a prophet of God, to confront him. When Samuel goes to confront Saul, he finds out that Saul's gone and built a monument in his own honor. And then he's gone down to Gilgal. See, Saul's placed in authority for God's glory, but he's busy glorifying himself. And if we aren't careful, we'll do the same. See, we build shrines to cover up our insecurities just like Saul did. For us, it it may be our bodies. If I could just be this fit, people will admire me. Maybe it's our bank accounts. Two more zeros, then I'll have it all together. After the decimal. Maybe it's our career status. If I can just get to this position, then I'll know I've made it. I'll feel good about myself then. A lot of times it's simply the approval of others, our friends and our family. And sometimes our insecurities mask themselves as pride feeling like we're better than everyone else, but truly we're hiding from our insecurities. It's a false confidence. That's what pride is. And sometimes our insecurities are caught up in just how we serve God. If I could serve God enough, if I can do this, that, and the third, yet God is saying, when was the last time you spent time with me? We're looking to validate ourselves with many things but not the one true thing God's love and so Samuel he catches up to Saul and he greets him Saul says the Lord bless you I have followed the Lord's instructions to which Samuel responds no you didn't I'm paraphrasing but he says you disobeyed God you're lying to me and you're lying to yourself. See, Saul's fallen victim is something that we call the false self. The false self is a part of ourselves that we create to hide the reality of our insecurities. We lie and we say, we're fine. We convince ourselves that the symptoms of our insecurities are just part of our identity. I've never really liked people. I just haven't. I can't remember a time that I did, so I don't, I don't like meeting new people. No, that's not for me, but really, I'm, I'm, if I was honest with myself, I'm kind of scared of being rejected. Or maybe I'm just scared of being let down one more time. 
Because last time was too many. We lie to ourselves even about the root of our insecurities. And the false self doesn't take accountability. Notice that Saul says, it was the soldiers. It wasn't me. I destroyed everything completely. But the soldiers, they took plunder. As if both of those could be true at the same time. Saul's acting like the victim, yet he is the one in authority. He's the one in command. He has authority, but he fails to exercise it because of his insecurities. Saul wants to be viewed as a good king by his men. The problem is being viewed as a good king by his men looks different than being viewed as a good king by God. So Samuel responds to Saul saying in verse 22, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, or what's known as witchcraft. And arrogance is like the evil of idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. So two very strong verses. And we find out two things about God as we read them. One is that if we choose not to use the authority God has given us, he might find somebody else. Later, Saul would be replaced as king. A young man named David would be the next king, and he would then be given the favor that Saul once had and be given the authority that Saul once had. The impact we're supposed to have in our friendships, our families, our neighborhoods, and our communities is ours to steward for God's glory. And if we don't exercise that authority to share the gospel, to love our neighbors as ourselves, God might find somebody else. And we may miss out on the blessing of being a part of what God is doing. Saul's told God desires obedience over any other form of worship. Jesus later would double down on his father's words and say, if you love me, you will obey my commands, John 14, 15. So the question is, how do we overcome our insecurities in order to live lives of obedience? First, we must recognize our insecurities don't define us. God's word reveals that he knows our insecurities. When he gives these words to Samuel to speak over Saul, verse 17, he says, Although you were once small in your own eyes. Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord appointed you over, appointed you to be king over Israel. This lets us know that God empowers the weak and the insecure. His love and power define us and determine our destiny, not our insecurities. The second is, if we want to live obediently, we must take our insecurities to God in prayer. When we take our insecurities to God, he has an opportunity to heal them, to free us from them. It's a choice again and again to do this. This won't be a one-time, God, I'm taking this insecurity to you, and I'm done. No, it'll be a daily trusting God, 
allowing him to, to heal those wounds, those emotional wounds in our lives. By being raw and honest with him. God, when I was growing up, I didn't see your provision like other people saw your provision. And so now I struggle to trust you with my finances. But God, I, I, I want to do better. And I see how you're providing for me now. So Father, help me to trust you this day with my finances. Third, we must be in healthy Christian community. We can't do this alone. So who is in your life that has the authority to say, hey, Samuel, I see how you talk to that guy at the ATM. That's not, that's not usually like you. You're usually willing to go out of your way to help people. What's going on right there in your heart? What's, what's happening? Why did you respond that way? Who in your life has the authority to ask you those questions lovingly and to speak God's words of love over your insecurities? When you feel like you're unloved, tell you that God loves you more than you could ever imagine. When you feel like you have no purpose, tell you that God has a life of purpose for you and that he always has. And when you feel like you don't know how your needs will be met, who tells you, God will meet your needs. I know he can. And at times our expectation of our needs may be different than what God knows we need. But we can trust he is good. If you can't answer those questions of who, it's time to join a growth group. Maybe you're in one, but what you need is a deeper level. And so you say, hey, to someone in my growth group, will you be my accountability partner? Here's some areas of my life that I'm struggling with, and I, and I really want to find healing in God, and so I need to take these things to you. Because the, the Bible says, confess your sins to the Lord that you may be forgiven, but confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. And so, who is that for you? Who do you give authority in your life to speak God's praises over you and to call out the false you? That's the last one is we must identify our false self. Once we know who we're not, once, then we can identify the parts of us that aren't really us. Those parts of us that are lies of the enemy that has crept in and we've been convinced for years, that's just who I am. And in reality, those things stem from our insecurities, something that you were never meant to carry. God can't bless who you pretend to be. He can only bless the real you. And so we must figure out who is the false self. What parts of us don't belong here? So let's do the work of investigating our insecurities. Find out what the source is, because that's the place that God needs to heal. It's not the symptom, it's the root. For me, it was my childhood at 13 years old, when I seen how my life was different than my friends, how they had more than me, how they could do bigger birthday parties than me. They would throw bashes. I'd have two friends over for cookouts. And don't get me wrong, I had a good life. But those are areas of my life that I noticed were different. And at 13 years old, an insecurity would form in my life. 
that I would need to have God heal me over again and again each day. What's that root for you? I can't tell you that, but you can. The next step on our journey is this. It's to discover the true self. To know yourself so that you may know God. And Drew's going to tell us that next week. So come back and you'll find those things out. But for now, know this. Insecurity will lead us away from God and his purposes for our lives if we let them. We have a choice to make. We have to make the choice to choose to take our insecurities to God. We must choose to let his love define us. We must choose to gather in Christian community so that God's truth will shape our lives and not the lies of the enemy. We must choose accountability for our false selves so that someone can call us out when we're not being who God has called us to be. We must choose to glorify God by loving one another. We must choose to spend time with God and truly love him, falling more and more in love with him each day as we learn about his deep love for us. And we must choose to love our neighbors by telling them the good news of the gospel, that they are incredibly loved by God and that he desires a wonderful, deep relationship with them. Amen. Allow me to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you care for the deepest parts of our lives, both emotionally and physically and spiritually. God, we lift up to you now those who are suffering. Father, I pray for Carol Kellerman, for her daughter-in-law, Patricia, who has dementia and has fallen and shattered her femur. God, I ask that her surgery on Thursday would be successful, that you would bring comfort and strength to her, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you would help her to just function as she struggles to swallow and her kidneys aren't working, God, Restore them and bring peace to her and her family. Lord, I pray for Justin as he battles addiction. Bring peace and strengthen him in the middle of his fight. And comfort his family, Lord. Give them courage to love him in the face of this disease. Lord, I pray for Sue Wade as she was admitted to the hospital on Monday due to weakness and dehydration, Father. I ask that you would heal her and give the doctors wisdom to give her an accurate diagnosis that they can start a journey of healing and appropriate care. Father, I lift up Cindy Carlson who has a surgery for hip replacement this week, would you bless the surgeon's hands and mind to be skilled to replace her hip successfully with no complications and that her recovery may be quick. Lord, I lift up 
Cora Holland and her hip surgery as well, that all would go well, that pain would be minimal, and that recovery would be quick, because we know that you are a healer and you can do these things. Father, finally, I, I lift up Janet Bennett as she continues to battle cancer. Father, bring her comfort and peace that only you can. Father, and if it be your will, do the miraculous and heal her. Pray this in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name. Amen.